0: Midwest Football Podcast, episode 25. We're a quarter of the way to 100 episodes and also a quarter of the way through the NFL season. We love the NFL's Midwest teams the Bears, Bengals, Browns, Colts, Lions, Packers, Steelers, and Vikings. And we're here to give the Midwest a voice and help our listeners understand what's going on across the region, whether that's to win fantasy football, win some money, or just make the game more fun to watch. We're recording Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023. I'm Joe Smith coming to you live from my hometown, the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, where Michigan fans celebrate the worst college football schedule in the nation, and Michigan State fans will be spending their Saturdays in an apple orchard near you. Here is my fellow Buckeye and broadcast partner, Chicago's own Brian Rosenquist. Hello,
1: Midwestlanders and friends. Uh, It's a rare time. I'm recording twice in a row from the same location in Orlando, and it's beautiful weather out. And I didn't even travel anywhere. I did not go on the road to watch the Bears lose uh, to uh, the Broncos this week. So that was pretty good win. And it was ironic I didn't travel much because um, I uh, was asked. I kept being asked how the Buckeyes did over the week. I said it was great because it was really scary for a second there. But I thought we were going to lose our quality victory. But Notre Dame ended up beating Duke at the last second. So we're happy and buckeye nation you know uh, we don't need to talk about the bears but let's uh actually let's talk about
0: the bears that's the whole point of this let's get on with the other stuff
1: first though so back to
0: you joe absolutely if you like the show help our podcast grow by giving us a five star review commenting contacting us via our email which is midwestfootballpodcast at gmail.com that was Midwest Football Podcast at gmail.com ...or recommending our show to your friends. It's great if you can uh, subscribe and get notified whenever we drop an episode. This week, though, we will examine the sudden gambling policy changes from the NFL, including the immediate impact to one Midwest team. But first, we will examine the growing phenomenon of Taylor Swift making her appearance at an NFL game two straight weeks. The entire entourage rolled into New York and drove beer-swilling macho men around the country crazy.
1: Yeah. So, okay, I got to talk about this. I know we've it's been all over the news to the point where a lot of our listeners probably don't want to hear about it. But here's my take on it. I was at the first game she was at. So I was slow to recognize. I started seeing the videos of uh, Taylor and Chelsea in the tunnel after the first game. And it's like it looked like they were meeting for the first time. And then I started hearing people complain that they can't get any football news because ESPN is only talking about Taylor Swift. And then I saw that the ratings of the Bears Chiefs rivals that of a Super Bowl. And my thought was, I was at the Bears game. It was the worst team in the league versus the best team in the league, if you go back to last year's season outcomes, uh, with the Super Bowl win and the one over one, uh, one overall pick. And it wasn't even a good game. The game was over in 10 minutes. So how does this have great ratings? I don't know. All I'm saying is if someone wants to tell me that maybe ESPN or the NFL slipped Taylor some money to pretend to date Travis Kelsey, I'm not even going to be mad about it. It's the smartest thing they ever did. Travis Kelsey's jersey's up 400%, 80,000 Instagram followers. Jason Kelsey's up number two, his brother. My buddy called me up to say, hey, what's this Kelsey and Kelsey document I started watching? I don't even know what football is, but apparently one of them is dating Taylor Swift. All I'm saying is if that was done by ESPN, I take back all the negative stuff I say about ESPN. That was a stroke of genius. And if not, I wish Taylor and Travis the best of luck. That's my take <laughs> on the Swift effect. Well, you got any I, comments on it?
0: Yeah, I can tell you we're not going to talk about this long, guys. We so don't don't, <laughs> don't freak out, don't don't start, you know, throwing beer cans at us. But um yeah, I think um I think Bill Belichick had the best quote about it. And that was Travis Kelsey has had many outstanding catches in his hall of fame career. This would be the best one.
1: Biggest one. Definitely biggest. I agree with that. Bill Belichick, smart man might not be um, winning
0: as many games as he used to, but what, regardless of what, you know, a lot of folks that have not done or, don't know much about how play by play and commentary during a game is actually goes on. It's not like they just send these two guys out there and they're on an island and they're telling the people in the truck what's going on and they're just doing their thing. There's some producer in their ear telling them what to talk about and what is a no go like the entire game. Like you hear about this sometimes with baseball commentators. It's like if they're on like a national broadcast and there's a perfect game going on. You're not supposed to, if you're the home team, you're not, and it's your team. You're not supposed to mention the perfect game, but the broadcast person, the producer might be like, dude, we have a perfect game going on. We want to make sure everybody knows about it. And then all of a sudden the commentator is like, okay, boss, perfect game, perfect game, perfect game, perfect game. This is, might be kind of the same thing. Like they keep talking about Taylor Swift an incessant amount of times because she is the biggest entertainment act in the world since Michael Jackson hey, if you can turn a Bears game and a
1: Jets game into Super Bowl ratings, you're pretty big. But let's be honest, we can already feel the backlash starting to swell. (laughs) Um, It's only a matter of time before people start getting mad, but whatever.
0: Yeah, if if this is genuine, it seems like it's very early in any potential relationship, but it is definitely, you know, if it is a relationship, then, you know, well, Bless them, but you
1: know, those relationships where you meet your girlfriend, where your girlfriend meets your mom before you. I mean, those usually work out pretty well, right? Oh, wait, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I did like the the Mahomes one where it looked where it was just a picture of uh Taylor asking, uh, what's her name, Brittany Mahomes, equi- uh, say, um, with the caption, uh, hey, why doesn't your husband throw the ball to my boyfriend instead of the other team? <laughs> Sorry, Mahomes had a rough game, but they still won.
0: Yeah, um, it was not. That was the weird thing about it was Wilson actually looked like for most of that game, he was out playing Mahomes. So a lot of people have been giving him a lot more credit and rightly so. The biggest change, I think, was after the game when they played this incredibly close game with the defending Super Bowl champs. And they have the microphone in the Jets locker room. And like the first thing out of uh Zach Wilson's mouth is you know, this is 100 percent on me, which is exactly what he did not do last year. And that's because and that's what leaders do.
1: That's true. And then he went up to the uh stands in uh, the booth and went after Ch- uh Donna Kelsey, the milf hunter at work. Yes, took a shot. Hey, he moved up. I had a Desmond Ritter in my quarterback powder, power ranking, so he's no longer dead last. So good for you, Jack Wilson. You earned, yeah. earned a lot.
0: Whether they can continue to hold it together, we will see. But Because I, you know, there were rumors that they were going to bench Wilson before the game, that this was going to be his last game. So we'll see what happens here. Continuing on to another major story, the NFL decided to further renovate its gambling policy over, well, actually, about the middle of last week. We haven't had a chance to talk about it because it was after we recorded. Uh, the major changes here was it reduced the penalty for betting on non-NFL events on NFL property to a two-game suspension, Increased, but increased the penalty for betting on NFL games anywhere To a minimum of one year. And a minimum of two years if you bet on your own team. That seems fair. We want to protect,
1: protect the integrity of the game, not just, you know, some guy on FanDuel
0: for a $10 bet. Yeah, you don't have to be online very long to have people. To see people in conspiracy theories seriously doubting everything you you see
1: the nfl's rigged
0: everywhere mm. of course you see that in every sport these days but be well partly because they've all gotten you know in bed with gambling
1: oh i 100 percent saw heard all that conversation this week talking about the jets uh chiefs game being rigged to keep it close to get all the taylor swift fans
0: that show maybe um and the pass Anyways. interference at, or what was it, defensive holding at the end. Yeah,
1: like that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we Which, see it you can see it without the gambling, to be yeah.
0: honest. To be fair, there have been a disturbingly large number of high profile games swung by or heavily influenced by, I should say, a very, very tight call on one of those can happen anytime penalties like holding or pass interference. Right at the end of a game, we've Mm -hmm. seen that happen in a number of games already this year and last year in the postseason. But that doesn't mean the NFL is rigged. That means we get that means we've got referees at the moment might be too big for. I just go back to my gambling thing is I don't think the NFL
1: rigs the games. I think if there were anything that were to influence a game, it would be Vegas gambling policies. I don't think it would be the NFL directly. I think it would be. Follow the money being bet in Vegas, not necessarily anything else. I go back to the Super Bowl. I think I made that comment on the podcast months ago. I don't feel like reiterating it, but real quick, what does this do for Jamison Williams? Is he, is his suspension
0: reduced? Yes. If you cover that, okay. They immediately reduced his suspension uh, from, you know, from his six week suspension to time served because this, the violation that he uh, was suspended for would have been a two-week suspension, and he's already served four. So So he reinstated immediately? Oh, uh, well, not immediately. He was reinstated uh, at the – close enough. He was reinstated at the end of week four activities. So basically Tuesday, today, he can resume team activities. And is he eligible to play against the Panthers this weekend? Absolutely.
1: Mm. Okay, that's the first good news we've had in our underdog best ball team. Yeah. (laughs) We get him back two weeks early. The only come on, lasty, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) All right, yep. Looking, thanks. Looking at our team right now, out of 12 teams, we are in 12th place with 342 points. But we gained ground by 30 40 points on a second to last place, so we're almost not lasty, but um. Yeah, the team is actually showing pulses, uh, to be honest. Um, Fields actually played this week. Jonathan Taylor's coming back. Um, Akers might actually play. And uh, Cooper, Cup and Jamison Williams are coming back. So, hey, maybe Lassie will finish third Lassie, you know?
0: We now have four points of data for all of our teams. We are roughly a quarter of the way through the season. Buys are going to start. We, at... Midwest football podcast are very interested in what the people have to say. So, this week we wanted to ask an open ended question and invite everybody to write in and tell us just where are you at? If you want, who's your team and how do you feel about them right now? You feel like you're going to the Super Bowl, you feel like you're got a shot at the playoffs and you're excited. Are you kind of ambivalent? Do you feel like you're? It's already time to plan the rebuild. Where are you at with your football team? So as we take the temperature of the room, we're going to see what responses we get, and we will read the best of them and include them in what we use to talk about our te- The you know our Midwest teams next week. But speaking of a challenge. The Green Bay Packers had more of one than I think they uh, expected last Thursday night when they took down the Lions, and this was a good old-fashioned shellacking from day one here. This is kind of weird. The Packers scripted their first 15 plays. All of them passes. So they were down 14 to, I think, three before they even actually ran the ball. So I was going to say, I I thought
1: watching that game that Aaron Jones and Christian Watson, we talked about this last week. We didn't think either of them were going to play based on their track history. And they were both active, but they were clearly decoys. I think Watson caught a touchdown late. He was at, he was on a pitch count, if anything. Aaron Jones played like five snaps, and it was mostly just watching A.J. Dillon run the ball up the middle for nothing.
0: I actually have uh, data on that. Jones was absolutely on a pitch count. He played 20 snaps, which is about a third of what they did. Um He's been better this year by far on a per-snap basis or a per-carry basis, even with having missed two games, but this is an offensive uh, rushing attack for the Packers that is really struggling.
1: Let's be honest. I mean, Aaron Jones only really played against the terrible Bears, so I don't even know if you can count that data other than your fantasy team.
0: (laughs) Fair, fair. But he did look
1: great when he played against Chicago.
0: Yeah, he, there were a couple of those he looked like he was shot out of a cannon, yeah. Um but in that time I mean, this is a, a Packers team that really needs to establish the run to help out Jordan Love. Uh but the team's run blocking has really been a problem. Uh
1: well, so do you think it was the run blocking, this play calling, or or my take on? I kind of ranted that I thought AJ Dillon wasn't impressive, and he definitely didn't impress me. Um,
0: All of the Thursday. above. Okay, I think we I think we got a blame pie going on. Well, also, Green Bay fans that I've seen have really been on uh, the left guard, Royce Newsom. Uh, okay. Eggleton Jennings is out, and Newman has been a sieve but they've also got a couple of injuries. Uh, the right tackle was playing hurt. Uh, right guard, Joe Runyon Jr. was playing with a sprained ankle. We talked about the left tackle being deactivated before the game. Um, that was in our Facebook feed. So they've got some serious offensive line problems, and it's not all just injuries.
1: Well, I thought a big thing you sent me this stat right before the game kicked off was a Jordan love per PFF leads the league in uncatchable pass rate at 31%. Um, If you were to ask me that question on a bar bet, I would have lost it. I would have just assumed it was Desmond Ritter. I, I, I am actually shocked based on how much positive press Jordan love has gotten through three weeks that he was, you know, had so many inaccurate passes to be honest, but then watching the game, I kind of saw it. So I was, I keep an eye on that. It it didn't pass the eye test. And I think it was something you were, you were kind of saying is he's insulated by really good talent around him. Um The question is, is he the guy? And I don't know. I think the Packers are going to be in a rough spot. They look like they're heading for a six or seven win season where they're not sure if Jordan loves the guy or not. And, um, that's kind of a scary no-man's land that they've never been in over the last 30 years. Do you have a take on that?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I think the... I also want to bring in what this game meant to the Lions, which is gigantic. The This was the Lions coming out party as the best team in the NFC North.
1: The. What, fi- what field did they play at? Lambo. You mean Cambo? You know, <laughs> sorry if you have sh- Tony shot up for that. I told him I was going to use it on the podcast tonight.
0: Nice, Macho Man Danny Cambos Field. Oh, yeah! Oh my gosh, he right. scared the snot out of me because on like the Wednesday or Tuesday presser, When talking about the Atlanta game, which I thought was perfectly called for Detroit. They had a team that they were better than, and they just didn't mess it up, you know what I mean. He said, yeah, my one regret for you know the game was I thought I was too conservative. Remember, this is coming after the Seahawks game where he went for it on like fourth and three from his own 40 late <laughs> in the game. And, you know, that drove me up a wall. A little bit more,
1: a little bit unconservative, a little bit reckless, one might say.
0: Yeah, so I'm imagining this scenario for the Lions against the Packers where he gets to like the third quarter and he rips his shirt off and starts waving it over his head like he's a terrible towel going, yee fourth and eight, let's go. And that didn't end up happening. There was one time where it looked like they were going to go on fourth and whatever close to the Packers goal line. They mm-hmm. were just trying to draw them off sides. They kicked the field goal. Hey, nothing came of it.
1: Your heart was uh, you weren't going to have a heart attack because I think that game was over in the first quarter, anyways. Um, uh, the bet, the highlight was uh, Amon Ra doing the uh, Lambo leap, the Cambo leap in Lambo Field, uh, and getting like fans dumping beer on him and flicking him off, and that was uh, stay classy up there, Green Bay. I know it gets cold up there, but it's going to be yeah, a rough I mean- season without a hall of fame quarterback for the first time in three decades sorry the bears fan of me i'm trying not to be biased here but i'm i'm taking great pleasure in uh watching the packers lose because i got nothing else the bears ain't gonna win anytime soon
0: sorry back to the lines yeah the you can make the case that jared goff is the best quarterback in the division or at least as good as the best quarterbacks in the division I, at the very least they're getting as much out of him as any quarterback It's between him and cousins and it's not close with the other two guys and he's they're... winning games so I so I agree I think the Lions again... there's no dramatically better Hall of Fame quarterback to come in and take the Lions lunch money. I feel like they have the best roster top to bottom. I feel we... like they are doing this in a way that is repeatable that they haven't come to their full potential yet even because there's no guy to take the top off this defense yet that guy's been suspended and i think that sam laporta right now
1: along with amon ra is a great one 2 punch at receiver and he's a tight end and he blocks too and then you throw in if Will Williams is just the third option to stretch the field, that's pretty scary. But I was going to comment on, I think the defense is starting to come into their own. Now, maybe it's oh, yeah. just that they had back-to-back teams with inaccurate quarterbacks that they, that they were daring to beat them through the air. But I think the front's looking pretty good. They're harassed. They're getting after Ritter and love the last two weeks and they're stopping the run. And it's not easy to stop Bijan Robinson and, you know, even the
0: Packers run game. So that's the one thing that's really surprised me because if we go back to the summer the big concern that i had with the lions defense was their run defense and they've stonewalled everybody so far including atlanta which is saying something because atlanta wants to lead the league in rushing so and can we say really quick can we mention That the Lions were a visible and audible presence at Lambeau Field, which is a stadium that is usually airtight. I mean, we're talking about a stadium where there is a decades long waiting list for season tickets. You have to inherit your season tickets to Lambeau. And the Lions went in there and had, I would say, at least 10% of the crowd.
1: Which is ridiculous, and they were loud, like they're yeah, fired You
0: were up. you were hearing Lions chants during the game. Yep, in Lambeau Field. So, you know, what the you can make a case that the two toughest places to play in the NFL are Lambeau and Arrowhead, and the Lions won in both in the month of September. That is a great point. <laughs> so, I mean, there are still things about this team. That worry me. Particularly, I don't know when Dan Campbell is going to lose his mind and do something crazy. But I mean, something manly and inspire the teams to win. Macho. What's wrong with me? Sometimes a punch is okay. (laughs) Macho man Danny Campbell. But sometimes i'm
1: sorry listeners uh i'm being
0: sarcastic when i say
1: that yeah. sometimes it doesn't come through i
0: mean if you just next time just come to next time you can just come to the game with a bandolier and an oil chest like rambo coming in here like i'm gonna win this you know All why right. not you know but i will say one last thing on the
1: packers though that's another game where they fell behind early and their defense was not equipped to slow down a team playing with a lead they they are a we get up and we pin our ears back and we go terrorize them. But they're not good when they fall behind. That's another example of that.
0: Yeah, that is 100 percent a true fact. But um, and if you feel like our takes are accurate on the Lions, I feel like I'm comfortable speaking about the Lions because they're my team. But if you want to talk to us about where you are on the Lions, the Packers, are you Super Bowl bound for the Lions? Are you going to come back and win this division if you're the Packers? Please uh, email us at MidwestFootballPodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear about it. But another team that I've noticed has a really hard time playing from behind, and this is a problem because they've been behind in a lot of games, is the Cincinnati Bengals. They got down huge against the Titans in the first quarter, and what happened there? I'm still trying to figure out what happened.
1: I mean, they got beat like a drum. Is, is Should we be concerned? Because um, Burrow hasn't looked great. I know he has the one-leg thing. And they, they got out the win against the Rams, but you're starting to see Jamar Chase getting angry. And I got to be honest, I have no proof of this, but I have a feeling that anybody who drafted – jamar chase in the first round of their fantasy redraft league is probably one in three or oh and four right now because <laughs> he's not been terrible but he's not jamar chase he hasn't had, had a monster game he's had he had the one monster game oh he had one one okay. big game yeah but then uh, which was last week point.
0: which was coincidentally i think also the one they won
1: yeah there you go yeah yeah week three so and i noticed like the guy who i was talking to about it is one in three and he won last week. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a rough time. I I don't know. Like do you have any theories on this game?
0: Yeah. Um well I first of all, I was absolutely stunned when it was happening. Because if there was absolutely nothing else, I figured Cincinnati could pass all over the Titans because the Titans are a bottom three pass defense, or at least they were coming into this game. But Cincinnati is dead last in points scored through four weeks now. I'll give you like. They only have 3 touchdowns this year, the Bengals. Oh, the Titans had that in one quarter against them. Is it, it it's only going to get worse, isn't Higgins out for a little while? With a rib he got banged up with ribs, yeah. I don't know how long or if he will be out, but yeah, this is there are yes, Joe Burrow is hurt. But I think there are problems with this team that are bigger than Joe Burrow's life. <sighs> This is a defense they can pa- that you can
1: pass on. And they should have been able to pass on him with just Burrow just chucking it to Boyd and uh, Chase. I don't know what's going on. And I know Tennessee's well coached and they're they're frisky, but they are not as talented as the Bengals. I think the Titans are underrated, but they should not be crushing the Bengals
0: like this. Like that's embarrassing. The Bengals gave up 173 rushing yards in the 27-3 loss. Uh, The Bengals are now 31st in run defense. They're giving up 157 yards a game on the ground. Week 2, 178 yards. Week 3, 71. That's the game they won. Week 4, 173. Week 1, 206 yards. I mean, yes, they faced some of the best running backs in the NFL. But man, that is rough. Does losing safeties really
1: hurt the run game that much? Because that wasn't the big concern they lost their secondary. <laughs> that their pass defense would be what was effective, but it looks like um they're really
0: struggling the run game, like you said. You just it's right there. Yeah, the Titans you know, boat raced them because the Bengals couldn't slow down. What but- the Bengals really want to do is get ahead of people and then use a balance of run and pass. They're not really a tempo team. They don't want to go all in on pass. They still don't because they've still got problems with offensive line and they don't want to get Burrow killed. I can't Mm -hmm. say I blame them, but I mean, in the third quarter, the Titans came out and 15 play 10 minute drive. Couldn't get off this is a defense that can't get off the field and that is you know this is like a you know like a lot of college teams that have a really good not all time offense and the defense is just awful
1: I mean let's be honest speaking of teams that uh seem to be playing from ahead because it seems like Hendricks and Hubbard get after the quarterbacks when the Bengals are ahead but they can't get a lead because they can't stop the run they can't throw the ball anymore Do you have any thoughts on how to fix this situation? Because it
0: seems like it's getting pretty rough. This is very rough. Mixon, for comparison, had 67 yards on just 14 carries. That's not enough for your franchise guy. And it's partly situation and it's partly getting away from it a little too early. Especially when he's averaging almost five
1: yards a clip. That wasn't a bad efficiency game from uh, Mixon, which was kind of the
0: knock l- last year was he looked like he was slowing down. Didn't seem like he was today. This is a team for the, in Cincinnati that needs, I think, some personnel improvements. There might be coaching issues too, but I don't think this is a case of nobody knows where to be. I think they've got guys that need to be um, – backups or rotational players that are playing every down they're just getting trucked on defense people are doing what they want with them well i'm gonna say help isn't gonna be coming as
1: easy now that mix or burrow signed his big money contract and jamar chase can't be far around the corner so it's gonna get harder and harder to find new ways to get talent onto that team
0: it's definitely looking like you know, this is what they're doing with that core. Maybe you don't pay T Higgins and you invest that money in the defense. They definitely need some kind of investment, even if it's draft capital. Are you as down on the Bengals as we are? If you are, let us know at Midwest football podcast at com, and see if you feel like a comeback is coming or what do you think is going to happen? Also follow us on Twitter, aka
1: X or Instagram or Facebook, also Midwest Football podcast, so
0: look for us there. Definitely um in terms of teams that are maybe hitting the panic button, it, let's let's get to your Bears, Brian. Yeah, so speaking of coaching issues, um the Bears
1: once again, like this is like this is like the Packers game, but if they actually score touchdowns in the first half, where they looked like the, by far the better team going into halftime. And then they made whatever their halftime adjustments in air quotes, as I put, um, and then got crushed in the second half. They fell behind early seven, nothing. They went on a 28 and zero run where Justin Fields uh, to finish the half where Justin Fields was literally perfect to pass as a passer until the hail Mary, which we, you don't really have to count if you want to, you can consider him perfect before that. And, and then they got outscored 24 to nothing in the second half. And I was just joking <laughs> with my friends. I'm like, man, the Bull- Bears really, really pulled victory out from the jaws of defeat by uh, keeping that number one overall pick alive. And then, you know, we cover later, but the Panthers cooperated by also, you know, fall- accidentally taking a lead over the Vikings, but still managing to lose. So the Bears are currently one and two in the- at the NFL draft would what happened today. Um, so my question is what uniform do you think Justin Fields will look good in next year? Uh, I think the, uh, giants will be a good fit since Danny dimes gets sacked 10 times a game fields will feel right at home in New York. Uh, maybe the Raiders, I don't know. Cause obviously if the bears keep losing, it doesn't matter how good Justin Fields is. It's going to be Caleb Williams in the bears uniform. And I just feel bad for that guy right now. Cause he's
0: just the next in the line of bears to be ruined at quarterback position. I mean this was a Broncos team that the Bears were playing that just gave up 70 to Miami who turned around and got steamrolled by Buffalo this week. Um so that starts to raise the question is is Fields really that bad or is this deep Broncos defense that bad and then you know the coaching staff forgot how to play football in the second half. Or, I know. I just I, I don't I wasn't really that impressed by the Bears
1: quick lead like that one of the Cole Komet touchdowns he just ran a straight line and nobody covered him like he wasn't even running it hard he just jogged forward and it was 20 some yard touchdown or whatever like it just seemed like bad Denver Broncos play that they may be shored up a little bit um I thought the Bears second half play calling which was hard to say because I don't really remember where like I don't remember fields playing actively bad or anything it just seemed like they became super predictable where it was like one drive. They're like, we're just going to run Khalil Herbert into the line 10 straight times in a row. And it worked the first seven times. And then Denver started stuffing the run and then it was fourth and one. And they just ran the ball up the middle. Like the bears on fourth and one are the only team I never want to see go for it. Cause Every time they run forward on fourth and that one, it is the most predictable play call. Like they even ran one where they've done it before, where they had Cole commit run in motion and then take a direct snap. It didn't work the first time they tried against the Packers and it didn't initially work the second time they tried against the Broncos where the only reason it worked is because, um, Kula Herbert ran up and pushed Komet across the line, like commit he might be big, but he looks weak when he tries to run a quarterback sneak. I mean, it was embarrassing. And um, and then uh, on the one drive that really sw- swung it, after the Bears just basically only tried to run over and over again, it was clear that they were like, let's pass the ball. And um, the uh, Broncos knew it was a pass. So even when they did a play fake, the defender was literally – slapping the ball out of Justin Fields hand when he was coming out of the fake 20 yards back, which was house for a touchdown. Like it was ridiculously predictive in the second half. And it seems like one of those things where this is a common thing with the bears. And I think I mentioned this before, I think Warren sharp, the uh, better you can follow him on X. um, He mentioned this, the bears offense looks great when they're scripted and then gets super predictable and bad as the game goes on. And you saw that like, it was it was um, watching the game. I'm like, oh, I know what the Bears are going to do. Oh, so do the Broncos. And it just I don't think the Bears talent is the problem. I think it is time to clean the house because we already got rid of the defensive coordinator and you can bring up the next thing with everfluce But the offensive coordinator gets doesn't seem to have anything. He doesn't seem to know how to call creative plays in the heat of the moment he's good at scripting them i think but he's not good at calling them once the script runs out
0: yeah i kind of came to the same opinion independently over the weekend just kind of watching what i was Mm -hmm. doing because coming into the kansas city game you had uh justin fields turn around and and say yeah um i'm kind of doing my own thing because i don't always like the calls or whatever it was it was words to that effect Steven and then Willie
1: and baby, any given then, Sunday stuff.
0: <laughs> and then this week you had the Eberflus Claypool stuff where he was eventually after the game caught, Eberflus was, you know, caught in a lie. And there's just way too much drama on this team. Like, even if they were doing okay, if they were about a 500 team, I would be looking at what's going on culture wise with this team and be looking for answers. I'd be upset. Now, when you said, I don't think the personnel is the problem, that tells me that if you were the owner of the Bears and you were planning a rebuild here, you're not moving on from the general manager yet.
1: I think the general manager did a good job other than the Claypool trade, but I don't think it was, it looks bad in hindsight. I don't think it looked bad in the moment. There's other teams trying to play second pick that were offering second rounders for him. Um, But he just attitude wise like we talked about in the offseason he just he he just doesn't seem to care um we saw that week 1 obviously Claypool, there's drama you mean? Claypool, yeah we saw this um yeah cuz we're talking about the trade just seamlessly flowing into Claypool in my mind i apologize for those listeners and i'm not i wasn't surprised when he wasn't at the game on on, on this week and it's even funnier to me that now there's like drama about it because Anybody who's followed the Bears in the offseason knows Claypool's having issues. But the fact that Eberflus is like somehow lying about it, like claiming like, first of all, there's no need to. You can be the coach and just say, hey, yeah, we told him to stay home until he figures out his attitude. That might actually get people to listen and play better. But instead of like doing some weird cloak and dagger stuff, you lose the team. And this is... The biggest thing that I always worry about when I see a, a coordinator get promoted to head coach, and it usually rears itself in year two, not year one. Head coach is very different skill set than a coordinator. Coordinators are X and O bases, whether you're offensive or defensive. Head coaches are game managers, they're people managers, they they're rallying. Like as much as we complain about some of the decisions Dan Campbell does, he has his team fired up and ready to go because that's a main point. Exactly, and Eberflus. I don't see that in the Bears. I see you. You were the one who pointed out to me. You see them moping around the sidelines. They're kind of looking at each other. They're disordered, You know, they they just don't look like they're well coached or motivated. And to me, we saw this with Tressman in year two, where that team fell completely apart um, years ago when Mark Tressman was the Bears' quarterback or sorry, head coach. And you're seeing it before your eyes. And it gets even worse because Trestman at least had a really good offense and they went 500 and came down to the last week of the season before uh, where they were playoff eligible. Team completely fell apart. Last year, Eberflus was 3-14 and 14 and is riding the longest losing streak. And you've seen the memes where the teams that haven't won a game since uh, Elon Musk has bought Twitter and it's just the Bears. Yeah. So it's not like you can go back to a grace period last year. They were bad last year. And they're worse this year with better talent. And that's why I think it has to be the coach. But And if they keep losing this way, Fields is showing flashes. I think he's going to be successful somewhere, but he's not going to be successful in Chicago because we're going to move on.
0: Eberflus, through this point in his coaching career, has the worst winning percentage of any coach in Bears history. That's all you got to say. I can't imagine too many Bears fans that are terribly excited, but do please reach out to us at Midwest Football Podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think the Bears need to do first in order to get better or spear on whatever rebuild is coming. On to the Ravens and the Browns talking about a, a drama firestorm. Watson apparently cleared medical, according to the head coach. And chose not to play, which was mentioned by the coach, which just totally threw Watson under the bus. And so that was bizarre. Uh, But, you know, turn around and the Browns got absolutely blown out by the Ravens with no starting quarterback and no starting running back, which makes it they were on the field all day. And it just makes it really hard to evaluate anything based on this game. The issue with Watson, by the way, was a uh, shoulder that was uh, picked up at some point in the last week.
1: So that the the late scratch of Watson threw me off. I was shocked because um, it was a mid season mid midweek injury during practice or something. But they clearly didn't adjust their game plan. They came out with their backup rookie running back or quarterback throwing, and you'd think that dtr dorian thompson robinson making his first career start you would be running the ball more and trying to make it a 10 to 3 game especially when you have such a fierce offensive defensive line and defense and they just put it in the hands of lamar jackson beating a rookie and it just it seemed like irresponsible coaching to me too but What's the, I I didn't know that Lamar was or sorry Deshaun Watson was cleared medical and then Joe's not to play that actually is new news to me that you dropped on the podcast to me um
0: yeah that was I saw that that report came around after the game that when the coach was talking to the media he let that slip uh which I don't like that's something that needed to be handled in the locker room. That
1: should be behind closed doors, I agree.
0: Yeah, which so that's the first thing I've seen this year that really gives me pause as to the Cleveland Browns head coach because that should not have been mentioned to the press ever.
1: And this goes back to us saying we think that the teams that have the most talent in the AFC North have the worst coaching. I'm not saying they're bad coaches, but you saw John Harbaugh wins another game when his team probably was the underdog. And it wasn't even close, twenty eight to three. I don't know if the, I don't know if the Browns are winning that game with Deshaun Watson. You know, I mean, I don't know what else to say on this game. If you have anything to add, it, you know, it, like bro. I
0: said, it's a tough evaluation because all we saw was the Ravens' offense. But you know, Stefanski's a five hundred coach with teams that have superstar talent. We thought enough to compete in a division and possibly for a Super Bowl. I I'm starting to look at him real carefully now. I'm also going to say too, the Deshaun Watson stuff
1: needs to be followed more why he didn't play and stuff because Baker Mayfield's looking pretty solid in Tampa right now. And I think a lot of Browns fans wish they had all their first round picks and draft picks back and Baker Mayfield instead of what we're seeing out of Watson the last, you know, two seasons, so, um, this could get ugly very fast. In my opinion, the Brown season is at a pivot point where they need to win the next game or so and get it right. Or else I could see them falling apart fairly quickly, you know, and I've seen a lot of teams with great defenses and bad quarterback play and bad coaching. Eventually that defense wears down and just the, 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 the dam breaks and, they go from a top three defense in the first eight weeks to a bottom yeah. three defense in the last half of the season. And that's something Browns need to be worried about right now. They need to get it right in a hurry. They
0: need to get something right. Either you know you can overcome bad coaching or bad uh, offense or bad quarterback play, that is, if you've got a fantastic defense. And I really believe the Browns do, but not both.
1: And um, I, I just want to point out too, Baker Mayfield did win this week. They're three and one in Tampa. They won twenty six to nine. I think a lot of Browns fans would like to be three and one with Baker Mayfield right now
0: than two and two with Deshaun Watson. So, yeah. Speaking of high highly drafted round one quarterbacks, we saw some resiliency from Anthony Richardson this week in a valiant defeat when the Rams uh, defeated the Colts this week. Rams came out strong. Looked like they were rolling in the first half, built up a 23 to nothing lead, blew it all, went into overtime. And then the Rams came out ahead in the extra session.
1: Fantasy darling Puka Nakoa, Puka Nakoa caps off the win with a super, with touchdown in overtime.
0: Yep. If you, if you talk about a fantasy winner, he is on pace. He is actually ahead of the pace. Of both twenty twelve Calvin Johnson and twenty eight, uh, was it twenty twenty Cooper Cup?
1: Wow! I'm, in mean, terms
0: of yardage, not total points, but yardage.
1: The Colts are a very fun watch, as we predicted, and I think they're showing. I thought they were going to be fun because they were going to be erratic and up and down, but they're two and two. They could be the best team in the division right now, to be honest. Especially if they pulled off that comeback, they'd be three and one. And I just think Anthony Richardson is everything I wish Justin Fields was at this point. And it's kind of sad when one's a three-year veteran and the other's a three-game starter. Who's the head coach of the Colts again? Shane Steichen, former offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Who also, did the maturing job of
1: Jalen, on, Hurts. Uh,
0: Jalen Hurts. Yeah.
1: Also, I want to point out the – um Eagles might be four zero, but their offense looks a little disjointed with uh without their all offensive coordinator, and I don't think
0: those two things. I think those two things are related. Possibly, you I I kind of take this last week where they had a very close call with the Washington Commanders. I kind of take that one with a grain of salt because oh, if you look over the last couple of years, the mm-hmm. or the Ron the uh, Ron Rivera Commanders have just. Known how to play the Eagles. That game is always tight or an upset or something. So, and, you know, every so often you see it where a, a lesser team in general just has a better team's number. Yeah. And I think we're seeing, I think we saw it with the Seahawks and the Lions, honestly. Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah. Well, either way, I was excited to see the resiliency and the comeback attempt by Anthony Richardson. I think he did a great job in the second half and he showed signs of improvement. And I think. That's more important for the Colts this year than winning. And they've already won two games. So um, I'm excited. But um, shall we, you have any last thoughts on this or
0: you want to move on to the toilet bowl? I just want to ask the people here. What do you, how high do you think the ceiling is for Anthony Richardson and this team this year? We, I mean, I I feel like they're going to win as much as Anthony Richardson shows them. They've gotten great play from the defense, great play from the offensive line, which is what you need to support. Is this a 500 team? Is this a division champion? Is this more? Tell us what you think, people. Midwest Football Podcast at gmail.com. On to a, another team that is uh, not what we thought coming into the season, and that's the Vikings. The Vikings did end up winning you know, one of our two toilet bowls this week between the windless Vikings and the windless Panthers. Uh, they so they did come back. They scored some points. They got the win. I don't know that it's one you especially want to uh, brag about and hang your hat on.
1: Yeah. So I, I think there's a sequence in the first quarter that really sums up the Vikings this year. Um, the Kirk Cousins throws a touchdown pass to uh, Just Jefferson. called back from a holding call. Uh, on the offensive line two plays later pick six for 99 yards I mean that's almost comical <laughs> I mean one of two
0: cousins first half ints yeah
1: yeah and that's just like that just that just sum, sums up what it's like to be a Vikings fan just kind of getting kicked in the place where the sun don't shine and <laughs> um I just they won the game but that was an uninspiring win I mean that's a team that we talked about this last week in our previews that the chargers vikings was a game where nobody wanted to win this might have been the same but the chargers and the vikings are similar in that they have lots of talent and bad luck or bad coaching whatever you want to talk about um the panthers don't have the talent to keep up with the vikings and yet it came down to uh, i think a 1913 game now granted the you know the vikings spotted the panthers at a six-point lead, so they did their def- their defense no favors. So, I mean, you can look at it saying, "Hey, maybe the defense played well," but then it's concerning that the offense didn't play well. And also, you expect the defense to play well. The uh, Bryce Young has not looked good, and uh, he has no really good weapons to pull- throw to.
0: Bryce Young has no chance to succeed with that roster right now. It is what we feared in the summer. Th- it is the- what Bears
1: fans hoped in the summer.
0: Fair, yeah.
1: But I didn't think they were going to be that bad. I thought that Panthers' defense was going to be better, and I thought their offensive line was going to be better. And it's not. And um, I'm just going to take a victory lap. I kind of called this game perfectly. The uh, Vikings um, fell into a win that they were actively trying to lose. Um, But if you want to look at silver linings, um, Madison for the second straight game, Right, average over five yards a carry, although I think he didn't. He was it last week or did this did he lose a fumble?
0: Oh no, last week for sure. was last week. Okay,
1: um, Acres might have been this
0: one sure. too. I'll tell you in a minute.
1: I'm looking right now. I don't see any fumbles, um, by uh, Madison. Um, I thought he did something stupid or bonehead headed, but maybe I'm mixing the weeks. But uh, uh, Cam Akers looked good. He he uh had 40 yards on the ground and five carries and another couple that he caught. And he's not known to pass catcher so um, Madison might be unnoticed that Anchor's role might only increase especially if he's continuing to average eight yards per carry although Madison did rush pretty efficiently the last two weeks so there, there's yeah. something to be said for that
0: although Harrison Smith Harrison Smith was a star he had three sacks that's not going to happen every week but uh, good to see it the defense came alive in spots against an awful team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking oh, uh, of awful teams, or so we thought onto the Steelers at the Texans and who oh boy, this was another surprise.
1: Okay. This is, I thought Houston's kind of underrated. I, but I didn't think they stood a chance. I mean, CJ stroud has been good, but, what the heck? 30 to 6 they the Steelers lost to um the Texans. That's 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 concerning. Pickett didn't look good. Tomlin even started shaking up the roster. I mean he's already made changes to the depth chart. Uh Calvin Austin's moved ahead of Gunnar Ol- Olszewski, I guess. Um, at receiver, defensive tackles counted. Bentune and De- Demarvin Le- Leal are now listed as starters, along t- along with the slot corners Desmond King and Shandon Sullivan. So, AKA people are getting fetched. As a you know, some. yeah, Tomlin,
0: Benton. Tomlin has always some of the most entertaining, but informative, uh, post game pressers in the entire NFL. You know, somebody asked him if there were going to be changes after this game, and he responded, and I quote, hell yeah, there'll be changes. So now we know what some of those are. It's time to, you know, he put a bunch of guys on notice to put up or shut up. Uh, (laughs) Steelers fans, remember he Tomlin said last week, it's the Steelers' job to make their fans fat and sassy. As you found out in uh, some of our other media this week, Steelers fans have opinions on what's going on.
1: So that leads me to like there is it's a hornet's nest this week. Steelers fans are this. And the question is, who's to blame? Like um, this was started by just a fancy football post um, by Ian Harditz from a fancy life. Just basically illustrating that Najee Harris as a running back has gotten more explosive and more efficient every year, including this is his best year. And yet this is his worst fantasy year, which then led to just people saying he's a bum. I've never seen a broken tackle. And other people argue, well, the line sucks. Matt Canada is the most predictable and bad offensive play caller in the league. Uh, Kenny Pickett's getting a a lot of the blame. So there's a lot of anger um, and a lot of blame to go around. So between Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, and Najee Harris and the running game as a whole – what do you think the biggest piece of the blame pie should go to, um, as a as an outsider looking in?
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Uh, Najee Harris, I noticed that all the stats that because you uh, brought up the post in uh, in our pre production meeting here, and all of the stats that we're talking about yards per carry, which have gone up by almost half a yard per carry since twenty twenty one, yards after contact per carry. Again, up almost half a yard since 2021. Missed tackles forced per carry, almost a 30% increase. Mm-hmm. Explosive runs per carry went from 9.1% to 12.2%. But these are all per carry or percentage stats. The fantasy folks are complaining because his gross numbers are down because now he's in a 50-50 timeshare with Jalen Warren. uh so if he's better on a per-carry basis, but the offense as a whole is worse, I don't think the problem is Najee Harris.
1: Agreed. And to be honest, as good as Jalen Warren was last year, he was goodness in the, in the Browns game on some of his checkdowns. But he's worse. He's been worse. He, he, yeah, he fumbled a ball. He's averaged 3.6 yards per carry this game. Um, he's becoming the poster boy for why people hate PPR. you look at uh jalen warren's fantasy stats like yesterday he caught six passes for 26 yards that doesn't really do anything uh week one he caught five passes for 11 i I think in three of his four games he 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 would he would have scored one or two fantasy points in standard in like six five to seven in in ppr like he's not he's not getting it done either and I mean, it's good to see Najee's efficiency going up. But I agree, and I'm not trying to throw Warren in the bus. He looked great against, uh, in the one game against the uh, Browns, for the record. But I, I don't think it's him. Um, Pickett seems to be taking a step back, and I think when uh, you have a you know a second year starter, I think a lot of it goes on the coaching. And um, I saw oh, it was during the game, uh, it, my the uh, Warren Sharp tweeted. Uh, the Steelers have the most or the worst offensive play calling and 10 seconds, or I think it was like 10 minutes later, he corrected it saying the most predictable and worst play calling. And I complained about the bears earlier, but apparently Matt Canada's offense is even more predictable when you watch the games closely. Yeah,
0: One of the things I've noticed in my couple decades of following football is fans get upset at an offense and they don't know why it's not working. So they just say the offense is predictable because it must be predictable because nothing's working. So they're stopping it. They must have known the play. Well, not necessarily, but sometimes you don't have the personnel to run a wide variety of things. Sometimes uh, it legitimately is predictable. And so here's what I think. It is the job of the offensive coordinator or whoever's calling the plays to get guys open or to create running lanes. If that is happening, then it's up to the players to make those plays. The coaches can't make the catch, the coaches can't pick the right hole. So you would have to do, you know, to really look. Are guys getting open and pickets missing them? Are guys getting open and because they're dropping ball and then they're dropping balls. Are guys not getting open because they're running wrong routes or they're dogging it out there. Or are they not getting open because the play design is bad. You got too many wide receivers in one spot. You're running the same kind of route every single play. You know, what is actually going on, but just with a guess based on what I'm seeing, second year quarterback that we thought was improving, running backs that are very good on a per carry per touch basis. I'm kind of looking at the coach here.
1: Agreed. And by the way, I want to add, I had thrown Jalen Warren's receiver on the bus. He was the second leading receiver at 26 yards behind Najee Harris at 32. Um, so, you know, Pickett's not getting the ball down the field. And I think that I think it is the uh, play calling. Now, one last thing, too, that we forget. Deontay Johnson's the best receiver on the team and he hasn't been playing. And maybe that factors into that has a fair effect because I think when um, Pickens is out there to be the big play guy, that's when he's at his best. He's not a chain mover. And then let's not forget Fryermuth has been in and out of the lineup all year too as at the tight end. And I think that when you're missing Deontay and Fryermuth, that does take away your two most reliable chain movers on the team that keep the game play moving. So if you get a five yard, six yard run on first down, and you can't get to completion. It was tough, but I still think it's the
0: play calling based on what I've seen. Yeah, Yeah. two takes that are a little bit less heard from. First, nobody's talking about the defense when they gave up 30-some-odd number points to a rookie quarterback. That being said, I mean 300 yards. If I said points, I meant yards. (laughs) CJ Stroud looks like the real deal through four games. He has been averaging... 300 yards a game through his first four games.
1: And they trust him.
0: Yeah. the only, There have only been five or six quarterbacks to do that in NFL history, all since 2013. And all of them are names that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. It's Mahomes. It's Breeze. It's Peyton Manning. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's on a list with nobody that goes, you know, and Billy Bob. No, that guy isn't on that list. DJ Stroud is that guy that everybody's going, whoa. He looks like he might be the truth.
1: Well, so first of all, um, as a whole, Houston and Indianapolis are legitimately competition for winning that division at this point. Um, It's a, you know, so I I wouldn't be surprised if if they compete, you know, that game that we saw a week ago when we were talking about Houston versus uh, Indianapolis, that could, that rematch could decide the division very well. But, Let's be honest. I gotta ask you a question. Is CJ Stroud through four games the greatest NFL quarterback produced by the Ohio State University that we've ever seen? I'm not counting Joe Burrow in this. I'm counting him as an LSU in this for this, because obviously Burrow's been in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Well, for purposes of that, yeah, I think I, I think he is at through this point in his respective career. I mean, we don't know what the future holds, but and I think the reason for that is because name an Ohio State quarterback other than Stroud that has not been reliant on his legs.
1: To be honest, the Bears forums, this stuff is flying around the internet these days with uh, like the best Buckeye quarterbacks by winning percentage. It's grim. And obviously, Justin Fields, you know, he might look good. He, he puts up a lot of fancy numbers, but the Bears haven't won a lot of games the last couple of years. So, Stroud is, so far, is the real deal. And I keep going back to the end of the Georgia game. Marvin Harrison was out because he got um, hit by a targeting call that didn't call it targeting. I'm not bitter. Uh, Stover was out. The tight end was out. Um,
0: and Full disclosure, he... I'm a Buckeye fan, but I have heard basically everybody except Southeastern football fans and Michigan fans say it's targeting. Everybody else is saying Yeah, was, yeah exactly. Everybody else was saying it's targeting. Michigan hey, – I still see Michigan and Georgia people.
1: That then Marvin Harrison injury and non-targeting call swung that game, in my opinion. Um and um, but CJ Stroud still without his top guys, led the buckeyes down into a field goal against the best defense. And looking at what Jalen Carter's doing for Philly that the Bears and the Lions passed on, he did that against that guy without his best route things we should not be surprised that he looks like the best rookie quarterback in the snap close Cause we've seen him do it against basically an NFL defense already without his top weapons. And um, I always go back to that quarter, that commercial I used to see 20 years ago where it was the, the couple making out on the, uh, on, on the couch and it zooms out and it says, if it weren't for sports, this wouldn't be gross. And one's wearing a Michigan shirt and one's wearing an Ohio state shirt. And I think about that commercial every time CJ Stroud hooks up with a uh, Nico Collins, which is a lot. Nico Collins is underrated top ten fantasy receiver right now because of his unholy connection with the Buckeye quarterback. So it's good to see Ohio State and Michigan working together on the, you know, and help the Texans move on.
0: Yeah. What should the Steelers do and where does the blame lie? Where are you at with them? Can they come back and uh save this season? Plus the Vikings, where you know are you planning the Cousins trade in the rebuild? Or you think we they can still make the playoffs? Where are you at with your teams, Midwest Landers? We want to know. Let us know what you think at Midwest Football Podcast at gmail.com. And we will put the best responses on the show next week. On to the final segment of the show, our week five picks. And one more thing. If you're new to the show, we give... One thing that we are looking at for what yeah cut. If you're new to the show, we give one more thing that we're looking at for each of the games involving one of our Midwest teams. Uh, something that we think will tell us more about the team going forward. Also, we, again, for our new listeners, we do not pick against the spread. We pick all games straight up. There are many wonderful gambling podcasts out there that are, really good at what they do but what we do is analyze football straight up so we're if you uh I encourage you to listen to a gambling podcast as well if that's your main interest but we are definitely going to help you understand what's going on in the big picture with this segment and others so Brian let's start with our Thursday night game Bears at Commanders uh what is what are you looking for in this game
1: first of all Second straight Midwest Thursday night game. I'm actually excited for it. I know people aren't, don't think it's a good one, but I got a lot of friends who are Washington fans, and I think it's not going to be a fun game to the average person, but I think it's just going to be a fun game to watch, and I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking yeah, forward yeah. to see some uh, good fantasy stats out of this game. I want to see if Fields can move the ball in Washington and if Howell can move the ball and DJ Moore and McLaurin and all that fun stuff to see if they can put up some fantasy numbers. Um, but on a – actual NFL thing. I want to see how Fields handles the pass rush from uh the Washington football front. That's a good it's a really good uh front four.
0: Yeah. Uh, who do you think's gonna win the game? Washington.
1: I don't think cool. I can pick the Bears in any situation unless they're playing maybe the Panthers the rest of the season. Unless they show me otherwise.
0: Yeah. And I think the the rebuild is starting for the Bears basically. And What's we're looking home? at um what pieces are going to be successful and what i'm looking for for the bears is of course they're going to almost certainly end up taking another quarterback they're almost certainly going to take another coach and so what i'm looking for is what of the surrounding pieces can you save? Who is, and it's not necessarily about stats, it's who's getting open on the outside. We know that uh, DJ Moore is going to be fine, but are we going to be interested in Darnell Mooney in two years? Are we uh, going to uh, see if we can get somebody alongside Cole Komet? What about the offensive line? I want to see, I guess what it really boils down to is I want to see who gives up and who fights. Even on a team that's getting spanked.
1: Can we get trade value for Justin Fields or do we ruin that for (laughs) drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May?
0: True. And but you're right. I I sooner or later the Bears are gonna win something, but I can't pick them to do it. I'm not that smart.
1: Washington looks risky.
0: On to the Lions, who are at home this week taking on the Panthers in what frankly should be a very easy win. I want to see Dan Campbell treat this game like he is treating, like he treated the Atlanta game, just business-like. We don't have to do anything crazy to win this game. We're just better than you, so we're not going to give you any chances. I'm looking for a professional demeanor the whole way by Lion standards.
1: I'm looking to see – Jamison williams debut this year see if he's uh he can be part of the offense that unlocks it because my theory is worst case scenario he will give more room for amon Ra and sam reporter to work in the middle and i want to see if he can you know catch a ball remember last year he was one for
0: nine yeah the dan campbell presser this week brought up Jamison williams and he set the bar super low he set the bar at like, yeah, we want to see consistency. So they're not expecting or they're acting like they're not expecting any production out of him whatsoever. But, you know, he also said he was going to, you know, impersonate Evil Knievel last week and he didn't do any of that.
1: Well, I, I expect Jamison Williams is going to be on a pitch count. I mean, he kind of we saw that last year coming back from injury. I think we'll see it this year because he was injured before he suspended. Remember that. And I think that they need to make him earn it because Khalif Raymond has done pretty good in that field stretching goal this year. That times. Agreed.
0: So, Agreed.
1: Yeah. So who do you think is going to win this game?
0: Lions should win handily. If they can't beat the Panthers, then there are bigger problems.
1: I think the Bears preserve one and two overall this year, week uh, through two games. So I'm with you on that. I'll take the Lions.
0: Titans at Colts. We've got the very surprising Titans team and the very surprising Colts team meeting up here so what do you see happening what are you looking at here
1: i'm looking to see um what anthony richardson looks like against the titans front four because they're really good at stopping the run i know i talk about the um pass funnel but they can get to they can they can make a the life miserable for the quarterback and i think it's going to be one of those weird disjointed games where i think we're going to see Anthony Richardson's legs in full effect. I think he's going to be on the run and he's going to make some really fun plays, whether it be a run or whether it be using his legs to buy time and then make a big play with his arm.
0: Yeah. I'm actually looking at the wide receiver core here because this is as bad of a pass defense, assuming that the game can stay close as the Colts will play this year. So that means that we get the chance to see what number two is really going to step up when the passing game is going to run as efficiently as it's going to run until at least very late in the year. So we're going to have a chance to actually see the uh, wide receiver pecking order here, assuming that Anthony Richardson can find time to get the ball out with the pass rush because i kind of feel like the titans if they're that good against the run now they haven't done much against running quarterbacks yet or quarterbacks with anything resembling richardson's level of athleticism but they have done extremely well against the run and if they can contain the running then we also get the chance to see what can richardson do in the pocket if anything oh yeah the um uh, i'm i'm gonna try the colts here but um, mm. the Titans, I have just haven't gotten a great beat on all year, so we'll see what happens.
1: So, I, I guess since I, I'm, I think the Colts are very frisky and I'm, and, and they're coming around. I still, I picked the Titans to win the division preseason. I'm going to stick with them for now, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts kept it close and win a rematch later in the season. But I'm going to pick the Titans this week.
0: Yeah, if this game was at the Titans, I might have gone the other way. Mm. On to the Ravens and the Steelers. Ravens, 3-1, all alone in the AFC North. The Steelers are looking to rebound from a stinker. What do you see going on here? I want to see
1: what Tomlin's shakeup does. Because I, I think um, even though the players I mentioned earlier were not exactly household names, um, there's also an effect where you start seeing people next to you lose their jobs You play a little bit. And um, I think that yeah, I think that I want to see what kind of effort they do and um, all that fun stuff because he promises changes and we've seen Tomlin do this before. There's a reason why he's been in that position so long and he's never had a losing season. The, what you, what last you week,
0: see? last week the Colts, I'm sorry, last week the Browns wanted to throw all over the Ravens even without their starting quarterback and they got punished for it. So. We're going to see. I'm I'm kind of curious to see offensively if what the Steelers can generate on that side of the ball. I'm especially looking at Pickett to see how much of the troubles are because of him. So I'm looking for is he missing throws? What's going on with Kenny Pickett? Is he just got no time? I don't know. But you know, at this point, it's hard to pick against the Ravens. So that's who what I'm going to do. Uh, but I really feel like the Steelers might have a very surprising bounce back.
1: I think the Steelers bounced back after they got embarrassed. I'll take them at home against the Ravens.
0: On to the afternoon games. We got the Bengals at the Cardinals. This is the uh, the four o'clock games on the East Coast, the uh, 115 games on the West Coast. Bengals at Cardinals. This is uh the Cardinals are on the highest of highs after well they beat Dallas the week before and then they kind of came back to earth a little bit here and then the Bengals of course are as low as they can go. How do you see this one shaking out? This might is this another rebound kind of situation?
1: What I want to see is can Joe Burrow look better than Josh Dobbs? We were we were talking about this at work. Is we threw out like. Desmond Ritter, Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Josh Dobbs, and and, and we're trying to power rank that. And uh, Dobbs was usually number two behind Justin Fields, and most people only said they took Fields over Dobbs because he could run with the ball. Um, I think Dobbs has been playing better than Joe Burrow this year. Um, And I want to see Burrow – Play better than Josh Dobbs, who was literally available to everybody last year when the Titans picked him off the uh, Lions practice squad, I believe. And then he was traded at the last second, a week before the season, for peanuts to the Cardinals and won the starting job. And Burrow's got to do better than that. Who are you picking? Bengals.
0: Yeah. Uh. Here's the th- what I'm looking for. I think this is put-up-or-shut-up time for – the Bengals run defense because the Cardinals are going to try to establish the run with James Conner, mm-hmm. who is good, but not the most athletically gifted running back in the league. If they're having trouble stopping Conner and this offense, then you know it's officially panic button time in Cincinnati. I got to pick the Bengals in this game because I really feel like they're going to come back with some stuff figured out and they've got too much talent to be this bad to a Cardinals team. That's still thinking about tanking, but Oh my gosh, they've I, that defense scares me for since for uh the Bengals. Yeah. And we're going to find out a little bit about it against a team that had no expectations coming into the air. Who's your pick? Bengals got to okay. pick the Bengals. I got to pick them to rebound and then it might be a panic button game if it goes the other way.
1: Agreed. Other
0: afternoon game, Chiefs at Vikings, which the NFL probably thought was going to be a showcase game in August. Not so much now.
1: What I want to see in this game is do they flex it to the night game because Taylor Swift shows up?
0: (laughs) I'm not sure that's how it works, my friend.
1: Hey, you never know. Let's oh, okay. Then I want to see if they can break 30 million watchers. Uh, I think they had 28 against the Jets. But um, I do want to see if the Vikings can keep it close because the, the Chiefs have had their struggles on defense or sorry, with the receiver core. But I've seen nothing with the Vikings' defense to so they could slow them down. So I think I said a second ago, misspeak saying I want to see if the Vikings' offense can keep over with the Chiefs. I want to see if the Vikings defense can slow down the Chiefs offense because it's possible, but the Jets defense is really good. But I'm looking for like one of those 45 to 20 shootouts or 28 shootouts where the Vikings put up a lot of points, but still never really keep it close. So that's my pick is the Chiefs. What are you, th- what's your one more thing on this game?
0: Uh, Donovan Smith, the left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Has been kind of banged up, but has uh, done a pr- very good job when he's been in there. So I feel like if the Vikings don't get pressure, this is going to be a field day for Patrick Mahomes with this defense. So that's really what I'm looking at, because if the for the Vikings to have any chance to win this game, and I'm picking that they won't. But if the Vikings want any chance to win, they're going to have to get some pressure on Mahomes.
1: So one more, one more thing. If we covered the Chiefs, I would want to see if Juwan Taylor, the other tackle for the Chiefs, can commit less than five penalties this game. Because apparently he's yeah. just always lining off sides. He's holding. He seems, seems like he's been a terrible replacement for Orlando Brown after they let him walk to the Bengals.
0: The Chiefs fans have taken off, you know, some of them in the deep recesses of the internet have taken off the tinfoil hat long enough to say that this is only happening because the NFL is targeting this play, the player totally unfairly. And because other players are lining up the exact same way and they're not getting called. So blah, blah, they're blah, not. blah. They're he, not. And they're he's, not. He's, he's blamed. <laughs> um, he is yeah. way off the line. So
1: speaking of games that haven't been flexed on the... Our last game of the week, because there's only seven uh, that we got. We'll get to the Bison in a second. Um, Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday Night Football. What's your one more thing? What do you want to see?
0: I want to see the Packers try and establish a run game because they desperately need to. Even if they don't have the offensive line in that they ideally want to, this is a Raiders team that is self-destructing this team is imploding and the packers must win this game and if they're going to do it they might as well do it so trying to give the guys that are playing on the offensive line and in the backfield a bit of an attitude that they need to have let's get their they need to get their confidence up they need to get some success and they need to just run it down the throat of the raiders instead of trying to pass for 50 yards 500 yards like their quarterback is still Aaron Rodgers the Packers are going to win this game I think and I don't think I think the Raiders will probably keep it closer than you expect because it's a later game in and it's at the Las Vegas but Packers should have too good of a roster to lose to this Raiders team
1: So what my one thing I want to see is we talked about um, the health status of Christian Watson and Aaron Jones last week, and I think they were going to play, but they ended up on a pitch count. Well, they last played Thursday night, so they have an extra couple of days rest and then it's a Sunday night game. So I want to see those two guys come off their pitch count and see what effect they can have, because for all the, the shortcomings of Jordan Love, those are the two most explosive playmakers on that team. And those guys can house it from anywhere. So. Even if Love's um, efficiency stays low, they can still house it at any play. And I I, want to see if they can do it. And I think the uh, Raiders' defense is a team they could do it on. Um, Fun stat after a couple weeks, uh, the Raiders' first-round pick, Tyree Wilson, defensive end, had zero pressures. I I don't know if that changed last week, but that's a bust right there. That's pretty rough. And that's a team that should help the Packers' offensive line get right. But I want to see what the playmakers should do. I want to see what Watson and – uh jones can do unleashed and we do have one thing to talk about before we you know kick it to next you know under the overtime um we do have uh the browns chargers and seahawks and bucks on a bye what do you want to see this week in the browns bye week what's your one more thing
0: i want to see the knife fight between watson and the head coach
1: yes i want to see if there's more drama coming because i feel like if there's drama brewing, a bye week might be the worst time to do it because now they have a week off to uh, let the Pisterity drama simmer. In. Exactly. No. So,
0: Seriously, I want to see absolutely nothing because yes. if the, a team is making noise in their bye week, it is almost always bad news.
1: And this is the only time I've truly been scared of a team going to a bye week based on the news that uh, fancy dropped that uh, Watson chose not to play. It sounds like. It's going to get ugly before it gets better, and this is a bad time to do it. Because I that's
0: the kind it. of thing that a coach says when they're worried about their job.
1: Yes, passing the blame already.
0: And if you're worried about your job, then you're not worried about winning games. In any case, that's where we're going to have to leave it off. We are due for the locker room, so... As we take it into the fifth quarter, we want to do our usual round of thank yous to Raymond for our wonderful intro and outro music for uh, Chris Brendley for the uh, logos that we use across all of our social media. And of course, thank you for listening to all the Midwest landers and friends across the country and the world. In fact, we've, picked up some guy in the south of france a couple weeks ago that's been listening to the podcast so bonjour to you and wherever you are listening to us we do thank you for spending some of your precious time with us each and every week but until we come back for episode 26 after week five we will see you miss you already